All right, all right. Good morning. Speaking of soaking it up, I'm thirsty up here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. And I just untied my shoe as I got up. I'm going to do this so I don't trip. But from down here, my name is Mark Speeder, I'm the lead pastor of Antioch Community Church. This is awkward. Uh, <laughs> glad to have you guys. And now I will not trip and knock this all over Julie. Okay. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, welcome to Antioch. Our heartbeat is to keep the main things the main things. We want to love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We want to love people, love our neighbor as, as we ourselves want to be loved. And we want to look out and impact the world around us with the love and the impact of Jesus. And actually, speaking of Jesus, we are going to be spending a lot of time looking at the person and the work and the words of Jesus over this next really many months. And we're starting with a sermon series in Luke chapter 4. And so you can open up to Luke chapter 4. As you do that, I want you to stop for a second and think of someone that you know that left a powerful, positive impression on you. Someone that you personally know that left a powerful positive impression on you. Now what might be coming to your mind are the character qualities that might <clears throat> be coming to your mind, things that they have done for you, ways they've loved you, ways they have served you or served others, ways that hey, they have sacrificially led. <clears throat> now I want you to think of someone you know who's left a negative impression on you. Now, hopefully they're not sitting around you. You know, if so, just tap them on the shoulder. No. Uh, someone that has left a negative impression. Hey, we'll do some pastoral counseling with you later if we need. No. Uh, but, uh, yeah, what comes to your mind as well is, is maybe negative character qualities or things that they have done that have been hurtful to you. And when I, when I contrast these two people or groups of people, I can imagine that you're naturally drawn to one and not the other. You're naturally, uh, have a set of expectations with one that brings up hope and joy within you. It brings up an expectation of good. And you have a maybe set of expectations with the other that are uh, maybe kind of, ooh, like I want to kind of put up some emotional boundaries here so I don't keep getting hurt again, Right? Because our understanding of someone shapes our expectations and therefore how we interact with them. And it's the same with God. Our understanding of who God is in our heart of hearts, not just the church answer, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, but like when life is hard and when your emotions are all over the place, who is Jesus to you? When your faith is low, who is Jesus to you? That shapes our expectations of how God wants to meet with us, both in the good, but maybe especially in the challenges. A.W. Tozer said it like this, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me read that again because I think this is a big deal. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. 
So I want to start, and this all my jars, by looking at a passage in Luke chapter 4. This is where Jesus begins his ministry. And Jesus makes a really bold proclamation to the watching world of who he is and what he does right at the beginning of his ministry. So we're going to open up to Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It says this, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And it was his custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And this is Isaiah 61. You can literally look right there. It's Isaiah 61, and that is a, a prophetic message in many ways, not only of what was going on in Israel at that time, but also what would be of the person of Jesus. So he read this, this kind of prophetic text about him. It says, if the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim, to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So here is Jesus reading this message from the prophet Isaiah from hundred, hundreds of years ago. And then he gets up. This is a scripture that they knew was the Messiah that they're waiting for. This is what the Messiah would do, that he would come and bring deliverance and hope and healing and life and the spirit of power, the spirit of God would be upon him. Jesus boldly makes a proclamation. This is fulfilled today. And so guys, as we read this and we believe that, that we gather together in this church because Jesus is present with us, this is fulfilled today. And I want to read verse 18 and 19 one more time, which again, this is really Isaiah 61, because we're going to read this every week. I'm hoping that we can memorize this together throughout the weeks. It says this. Let's read this aloud, okay? You ready? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, to the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, this is good news. If we believe this is good news, right? Yeah. I'm just making sure you all awake. This is good news, okay? So who is the spirit of the Lord or some translations would say the spirit of the sovereign Lord? And why is it important that this spirit is upon Jesus? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. We believe that God is one person and also three. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is the third person of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know when we begin to talk about Holy Spirit, maybe some of us feel a little nervous because we've seen it done kind of weird in one, some church or another. And so let me just kind of share two ditches that we sometimes as churches go into or as Christians go into when we talk about Holy Spirit. The first one, I would say, is cessationism on one side. 
cessationism, and the other one would be sensationalism. All right? And cessationism would be where we believe that the Holy Spirit no longer does many of the things that we see him doing throughout Scripture. That, that for many different reasons, some people would argue that that, that, is, that is stopped completely in some areas of the Holy Spirit. He no longer does that. That would be cessationism. On the other ditch, we have what we call sensationalism. A, uh, a focus primarily on the dramatic elements of the Holy Spirit or the emotional elements of the Holy Spirit at the exclusion of other aspects of following Jesus and other aspects of how the Holy Spirit moves. So we want to avoid, in my conviction, my reading of Scripture, my seeing how the Holy Spirit moves and just seeing the fruit of stuff in the body of Christ over years, we want to avoid, I'd say, those two ditches. Now, if someone is a cessationist, they're fully a brother or sister. We love them. I have friends that are cessationists. That's not, that's not a downgrade of who they are, but this is just, we, we want... Jesus, right? And so because I think these false ideas of who Holy Spirit is, we, uh, in these ditches, we get weird ideas about Holy Spirit. Like some of us, if we're honest, we see Holy Spirit like a crazy uncle. It's like, okay, we love Jesus, we love the Father, but like Holy Spirit, I don't know. It's just kind of like, who invited him? We'd be better without him, right? Some of us think that, right? Or some of us, we see the Holy Spirit like the force. Lord, I want the force to be with me today because i got a long day. I want the force, right? Or we see the Holy Spirit as an emotion or a manifestation or a goosebump that kind of makes our service better, right? Or we see the Holy Spirit as, um, as kind of like a bless me to make me awesome. Make me look good today, Holy Spirit. I want the gifts that look good. I want God to show up wherever I show up. I'll take more of that, right? We get these crazy ideas about the Holy Spirit, but let us just, let me just remind us that we see Holy Spirit from Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 through Revelation. He is throughout the Bible. In fact, the Holy Spirit is not just throughout the Bible, and it doesn't ever explicitly say that certain things the Holy Spirit does will stop. He's not only throughout the Bible, he's God. He's God. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not just a force. He is God. And guys, if it's in the Bible and it's God, then we want it. Right? If we see something good in Scripture, we want something to rise up in our hearts and say, Lord, I'll take some of that. We want that. God, if this is you, even if I don't understand it, I'll take that, right? So it's like when I, when I married my wonderful wife, I didn't like get to pick and choose part of her God-given personality that I didn't like and I liked. And like I'll marry that, but I, this part of you gotta get rid of that if I'm gonna marry you, right? I, I'm married all my wife, right? For better or for worse. That's what we said at the altar. And uh, and we're not and we're talking uh, right, God. We do that with God, and God didn't even sin. <laughs> He's perfect. All of who he is is good. And we often do that with God. We're like, oh, I like this passage about Jesus but I don't know about this passage. I like these words of Jesus, but I don't know about this passage over here, right? We're, we, we feel like we need to like defend God. You know, and it's like, if this is who he is, we want him. If it makes sense, great. But if it doesn't, I have a two-pound brain, right? Talk about the gifts of the Spirit, like speaking in tongues. I don't get that. 
Like, I, don't, I wouldn't have chosen that. But if that's what he wants to do, then who am I to say with my two-pound brain, I don't like that, right? If it's him, I want it, right? Because I want God in my life. And guess what? I need God in my life. If there's a place in my life where I'm saying, I don't want that part of God, it's probably the thing I need the most because I'm probably struggling somewhere that that is a solution in my life. Now, so who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? Who's the Holy Spirit and what does he do? Now to understand, just to give context for Holy Spirit, what does he do? It makes a lot more sense if we understand that Holy Spirit is a person. Just like God the Father is a person and Jesus the Son is a person, the Holy Spirit is a person. He has things to say. He has thoughts. He has the ability to be grieved. Holy Spirit has things that, that, they, that he wants to do. And when we don't understand and relate to Holy Spirit as a person, it gets funny. Let's say James is driving in the car with me. You know, we did this earlier this week. We went to lunch together. And if I just treated him as a force, that would be kind of weird. We're like, James, could you come a little closer to me? I need some of your force, you know? Uh, that would be kind of weird, right? I'm just not going to talk, but I just have a force sitting next to me, right? But that's how we kind of treat Holy Spirit. We're like, he's like this force and just kind of like needs some more of the orb of Holy Spirit. No, no, he's a person, okay? So if the Holy Spirit is a person, what is he like and what does the Holy Spirit do? Now, uh, here's a list of things, uh, just some of the things the Holy Spirit does or is like because he's a person he can be lied to. He can be resisted. He can be grieved. He can be blasphemed. But what the Holy Spirit does, he comforts us, right? He, he guides and directs us. He transforms us into the image of Christ. Holy Spirit heals the sick. Holy Spirit delivers us from the power of evil. Holy Spirit empowers us to live the everyday Christian life. Holy Spirit appoints leaders in the church. Holy Spirit confirms God's word and brings miraculous gifts. Holy Spirit sanctifies our imperfect efforts. Holy Spirit knits us together as a fellowship. Holy Spirit fills us with praise. He fills us with boldness for ministry. Holy Spirit communicates the Father's love for us. That's a good one. Holy Spirit infuses the Christian life with joy, and in Him we're sealed, kept, and secured by God until the end. Is that good or what? Do we, do we like what the Holy Spirit does? I'm not saying some weird thing you saw in church or some TV preacher, you know, with like pink hair or something like that. I'm talking about what we see in Scripture of the person of the Holy Spirit. We want that, and we want Him, right? So who could use a little more of this list in your life? Who could use a little more healing and restoration and joy and power for everyday life? We could all use a little bit more of that. Now, why is it important that the Spirit of the Lord is with Jesus? Why is it important that this, how do, why is this connection between, why is it the first thing he says? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is with me and upon me. Wouldn't people just be like, oh yeah, well he's a trinity, so of course the Holy Spirit is with him. Why is Jesus making a point to this? You see, I think we have a theological misconception that when we see Jesus 
in bodily form in the Gospels, everything he did, every miracle he did was only because he's God. But let me kind of challenge that idea with what most theologians would say is that, yes, he's fully God when he's human. Just bear with me. Can y'all give us some teaching? All right, it might be a note-taking day. He's fully God, but he's fully man. And what that means, what Philippians 2 says, is that he laid aside some of his privileges of being God to also be fully human. He didn't lay aside his divinity completely. But what we see is that Jesus throughout Scripture relies on the power and person of the Holy Spirit. And we see that throughout the Gospels. The Holy Spirit was there at Jesus' conception. Holy Spirit came upon Jesus in a fresh way at baptism. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus drove out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus healed the sick in the power of the Holy Spirit. When, Jesus, when the edge of Jesus' garment was touched, he said, I felt power come out from me. What is that? That's Holy Spirit. Jesus was fully God and yet somehow worked with and relied upon the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, right, setting an example for us as our perfect Savior of what it means to be like that. So, let me kind of illustrate that. Jesus is uh, full of the Holy Spirit, right? But then what we see throughout Jesus' ministry is that he got, right, he's dripping with the Spirit of God. The person of Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. But then we kept seeing him get more of the Spirit. At baptism, he got more of the Spirit. And then when he was led into the desert to be tempted by the enemy, he said he was filled and led by the Spirit. He went into the desert dripping with the Spirit. And then it said he came out of the desert full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then when Jesus was doing a lot of healing and a lot of ministry in Mark 1, and it was really busy and everyone needed him, he pulled away and got with the Father and got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we see when his cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded, he went to grieve to continue to get filled with the Holy Spirit. The ministry of Jesus was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was reliant on the Holy Spirit, and his ministry was dripping with the power of the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit throughout the Gospels, or or Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We see the Holy Spirit dripping and oozing out of Jesus in every way. Everywhere Jesus went, he had compassion. That comes from the Holy Spirit. He healed the sick. He brought deliverance to the oppressed, like this passage says. He had wisdom that was from another age. It was from heaven. He had patience with people that I want to slap in the face, right? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love how the book of Acts characterizes his ministry in chapter 10. It says this, You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism of John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Come on. That's our Jesus. He was full of the Holy Spirit, and wherever he went, 
because of the life of the Holy Spirit, the sick were healed, the oppressed were free, people had compassion, the unlovable were loved, people were elevated when they were poor and lowly. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And that's good news for us, guys. You see, because the same Jesus we see in Scripture, although he's not in bodily form with us, he is continuing this ministry today through the person and power of the Holy Spirit, right? Hebrews 13 says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changing. It's who he is. It's what he's done. His ministry has not changed. That's good news. If you're hurting, Jesus has compassion and wants to drip the life and the love of God to you today. If you need provision, our Jesus can multiply resources because we see him doing that. If you need breakthrough, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can bring deliverance in a moment. And if you need physical healing, yes, we believe that God works through doctors, and that's not any less uh, important, but Jesus also can heal supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I could just share so many stories of how Jesus is ministering in and through this church by the power of the Holy Spirit. I used to have 20, 35, 20, 40 sight. Jesus healed my eyes. I'm 20, 20. People have been healed again and again. We've seen backs healed and ankles healed and headaches healed. We had a lady come to church for a month who couldn't walk over the summer. She couldn't walk. And so I, I finally talked to her three weeks in, and she came and she sat in my back, and she's like, yeah, I've been coming, because just during worship, Jesus shows up, and I just start getting healed. I, didn't, I couldn't used to walk, and now after coming to church, I can walk. And so I said, are you still in pain? And we prayed for her, and all the pain left her, her body, and she got up and walked, and because she got what she came for, she didn't come back. <laughs> I was like, huh? I was actually hoping to get to know you more and hear more of the story. And she, she walked on out, you know. She came and she met with Jesus. I want to say Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and well. And his power is present by the person and power of the Holy Spirit. He is in our midst. You see, Holy Spirit is not just out there. If you are a Christian, he's in you and I. This Holy Spirit that did that long list, which actually just scratched the surface of what Holy Spirit does, he's in you and me. Do you realize what we have, Christians? Like, do you realize what is inside of us and who is inside of us? So to give us some context, you know, the disciples, when they were with Jesus, and Jesus started to break the news, hey, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to be gone bodily in, in bodily form from you. They started to freak out. They're they're because they're like the apex. We're like, hey, we're the 12 apostles. We're hanging out with Jesus. This is cool. He does stuff. We like it. Sometimes we get sent on cool missions and see some cool stuff too, but we're with him. It's awesome, right? And Jesus is like, I'm gonna leave. And they start to freak out, right? Because they're like, this is gonna go downhill from here. Surely the gospels is like the apex of Jesus right? Surely this was like the coolest thing ever, and it's all been downhill from there. And so Jesus promises them an awesome gift, right? He said, it's actually going to be good that I leave, because I'm going to give you a gift. If I can get this picture up, Jesus gave them these. 
those scriptures, uh, WWJD, what would Jesus do? He gave them these and he said, you know, I was with you in power, but now you just have a list of things that you should be doing and just try your hardest to be a good person and just think, what would Jesus do? Good luck. I'm sending you out. I'm, I'll never talk to you again because I'm, I'm going on the cross and I'm going back to heaven, right? Now, I'm actually for because it's still a good reminder. What would Jesus do? It reminds me to tap into God. My point is this. The Gospels, when Jesus is in bodily form, this was not the apex of Christianity. This was just the beginning. And so we're not left hopeless and powerless and helpless, just trying our best not to kick the cat and not to be mad or not to whatever and trying to be a good Christian and like strive. We're not left helpless. He gave us something better. John 14, uh, John, I'm sorry, 16, 7. The disciples are freaking out. Jesus says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I did not go away, the helper, who's he talking about? Holy Spirit, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Let me say it like this. Holy Spirit inside of you is more powerful than Jesus alongside of you. You see, the followers of Jesus got an upgrade. We got it arguably better than they had it. Holy Spirit inside of us is greater than Jesus alongside of us. He's saying this to your advantage. You're going to get an upgrade, right? You see, let me say it like this. The Christian life was never designed to be lived and fulfilled without the person and power of the Holy Spirit active in our life. It doesn't work. And Christians get burned out, they get jaded, they get angry, they get mad at people because we try in our own strength and we fall short. Because we have to go through a process like the disciples and Peter to learn, I don't rely on my own zeal, I've got the power of God living inside of me. You see, Jesus' life and ministry didn't stop at the end of the book of John. Is continuing, and guess who is continuing through? You. It's continuing through. Jesus, when it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's known to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. That wasn't just a little bit of time. He's still doing it. And if you are a Christian, you are in Christ, and Christ is in you. That word Christian means little Christ. So guess what we should be doing? This passage, we should be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, proclaiming good news to the poor, bringing liberty to the captives, seeing people set free. That's, that's, that's our portion, guys. Come on. Hey, come on. Thank you, Amy. This is, this is exciting. Christianity is not boring. Following Jesus and church does not have to be boring. This is what we get to do. And who... Right? Um, oh, and, and let me just say this. So just like Jesus, when we get saved, here's how this works. When we get saved, we go from dry, right? And we get the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Ephesians 1, sealed inside of us. Y'all good? I'm giving you a lot of theology today. Y'all good? All right. We get the Holy Spirit sealed inside of us. 
But again, you know, life happens and, and we, we leak and we get tired, right? <clears throat> it's not like when we pray a prayer and we have some, a couple tears when we meet Jesus, that's the apex. That's the beginning. Because we keep getting more of the Holy Spirit, right? He wants to give you more of himself. He wants to fill you with power, right? And when you're, when you're feeling dry, he invites you, come be filled again. Ephesians 5 says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word to be filled is present. It means literally to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit again and again. To have the tap on and the Spirit of God pouring out into your heart again and again. We get more of God, right? Who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit? It's Jesus. Mark 1.8, this is John the Baptist talking about Jesus. He said, I baptize you with water, but he, talking about Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus gives us more of the Holy Spirit. We can't say, I'm into Jesus, but I don't know about Holy Spirit. We also can't just focus on Holy Spirit and throw away Jesus, right? Really, in many ways, our focus is on Jesus, and then we have Holy Spirit experiences and power along the way. So two main ways that the Holy Spirit works. He works in us and he works through us. The Holy Spirit wants to work in you and the Holy Spirit wants to work in power through you. <clears throat> okay, let me talk about Holy Spirit in us. Holy Spirit works with us and in us in partnership with the Father, in partnership with Jesus, in partnership with Scripture, to work in us. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will reveal and remind us of the things that Jesus says. So when we open the Bible and something stands out to you, well, who's that? It's Jesus speaking to us through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God. That's amazing, right? You don't even know that's happening. You're like, oh, it just stands out to me today. Well, that's the Holy Spirit revealing who God is to you, right? He also works to make us like Jesus. How many of you know, right, when we're struggling in marriage or when our kids are driving us crazy, we need the Holy Ghost, right? You're like, I need more of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know when you're on social media, you need the Holy Spirit, right? How many of you know when you're at work, you need the Holy Spirit, right? We need the Holy Spirit, now, the Holy Spirit working in us is often more subtle. It's often uh, just more of the kind of consistent. We, we often don't even realize that the Holy Spirit is at work, right? And, and sometimes in the very charismatic side of things, we downplay this part of the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. We need the everyday feeling, working with, revealing in Scripture, convicting us of sin, filling us with just general peace kind of Holy Spirit, right? And we see this, for example, working in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit says this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law, right? And although these things are often less dramatic than some of the power gifts or someone is physically healed and the power of God shows up, in many ways... These impress me more than when someone has a really cool gift and is seeing a lot of people, you know, touched by God's power. 
Because it doesn't take maturity to have a gift of the Spirit, but it takes maturity to have the fruit of the Spirit consistently. And a person that can walk in the fruit of the Spirit is someone that can handle the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to minister to others. So what maturity looks like to me is not a gifted person that can talk or see the miraculous happen. What maturity looks like is someone that's consistently patient, is consistently loving, is consistently serving or sacrificial. That's maturity, right? And so we, we, we need the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So, right, where does patience come from? It doesn't come from you trying harder. It comes from Holy Spirit. It's not the fruit of Mark I need more of. I get too much of the fruit of Mark, and so do people in my life. You're like, stop that, you know? We need the, they need the fruit of the Spirit in my life. We need kindness. We need patience. We need gentleness, right? I'm not always naturally gentle. I like to do fast things, right? That's how, how I'm wired. But when the Holy Spirit comes in the flavor of Mark, I like to go fast with gentleness and patience, and people like that around me. My wife likes that. My kids like that. We need the fruit of the Spirit, right? And so when you're trying to be patient at home with your kids and you're getting sucked dry and they need your kindness, we've got to get baptized afresh with the Holy Spirit so we can breathe the life of Jesus and patience over them, right? Or when our coworker is driving us crazy, we want to not just give them the dry, crusty, burnt out, angry version of ourselves, we want to drip the Holy Spirit and kindness and goodness and gentleness and patience over them so that we can be a witness that God is real. The world doesn't need your personality. It needs the the fruit of the Spirit through you. And God will use your personality. But listen, it needs us to be like Jesus. It needs us to be continually filled and baptized so that Look at our coworker. Woo, they're getting some Jesus now. This coworker's driving me crazy. They're almost to the brim now. Surely they're going to meet Jesus somewhere through the way here, right? Or, or how about social media? Do we need a little more Holy Spirit on social media? Do we need a little more kindness? Do we need a little more truth? Do we need a little more revelation on social media? When I go to social media, we need Holy Spirit. That means I need to keep getting dunked. I need to keep getting soaked. I need to keep getting filled with the Holy Spirit, right? I think y'all get the picture. We want to be saturated kind of people in the Holy Spirit, right? You're in traffic. You need to get filled with the Holy Spirit on the freeway, right? You can either be a curse to other people on the freeway, or you can be a Holy Spirit intercessor out there. Lord, bless that person. I've got a, I've got a heart for that person over there. They just cut me off, but man, the Holy Spirit's giving me kindness. Oh, uh, they, they must have something going on in their life. Lord, bless them. Maybe they're having a hard day. Lord, bless them. Oh, and all of a sudden, boom, they're driving, they encounter God, they're wondering what's going on. It's because they cut you off, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> okay, so the Holy Spirit not only works in us, the Holy Spirit works through us. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit comes upon us in powerful ways to bear fruit and empower us to our callings and the things that he has called us to do. This is most likely what Luke 4 is referring to when it says the Holy Spirit is upon Jesus for what? To go impact the world. The Holy Spirit is upon him to love the poor, to proclaim freedom, to bring liberty, to heal the sick, to uplift those who are hurting. The Holy Spirit is upon him in power. And so the Holy Spirit not only wants to work in us, but the Holy Spirit wants to come 
in, through you and upon you in the power of God to do what you can't do on your own. A guy named D.L. Moody, maybe you've heard of him before, he uh, had a ministry uh, and he was, you know, seeing a little bit of fruit, but he was exhausted. And a couple old ladies in the church he was preaching one day, he's seen a few people saved here and there. They came up and said, sir, you need, you need, you need to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, okay. And so he gets prayed for, and he said he like couldn't even just barely stand up, the power of God coming upon him. And that day he went from a few people being saved here and there to thousands of people giving their life to Jesus. Just fruit was happening that he couldn't have done in his own personality or in his own charisma. He said this, he said, Christian men and women have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, yet for many he's not dwelling within them in power. In other words, God has many sons and daughters without power. The Holy Spirit in us is one thing, and the Holy Spirit on us is another. We all need the filling of the Holy Spirit together, and let us not rest day or night until we possess it. If that is the uppermost thought in our heart, God will give it if we just hunger and thirst for it and say, God, helping me, I will not rest until I'm endued with power from on high. So man, how are you going to reach your workplace? How are you going to get breakthrough in those oppressive thoughts that tend to keep coming? How, how if someone is sick, are you going to like, oh, I'm be like Jesus, and I'm going to see him healed? I feel like that sometimes. Like, we can't do that. How are you going to see someone delivered from oppression, right? I can't do that, you know? I'm just a dude, you know? Uh, Jesus can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why... Acts 1.8, when the early church was gone, they had already received the breath of the Holy Spirit in John 20, but here's what it says. He said, wait until you receive power from on high. And Jesus said this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. What is he saying? You need power for the work and the call that I've called you to. Wait for it. And then what I can do through an ordinary human can touch the ends of the earth. We need power from God to move forward the kingdom of God. And guess what? And we're going to talk about this next week. Each and every one of you has a calling. Yeah. It isn't just the pastor has a calling and I'm here to just cheer you on. Great sermon, you know. You've got a call from God. And you need the power of God and the person of the Holy Spirit in you. And through you, uh, <clears throat> right? So, um, well, I had something here. I don't know what I'm saying. So, uh, let, let me just end with answering this question. How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? I want to go to what Jesus said in John chapter 7. How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Jesus said this. On the last day, in the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit, who those who believed in him were later to receive. How do we get filled with more of the Holy Spirit? Like I said, we got the Holy Spirit when we got saved. And God wants to keep giving you more. <clears throat> Three simple things. Number one, be thirsty. I'm not talking about that kind of thirsty. 
Be thirsty for more Jesus, right? What are you hungry for emotionally, spiritually? Be thirsty for more of God. Are you convinced that not only you need more, but you can get more? You can live your life like this. Are you convinced of that? You can live your life dripping with the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God in your life. God can do the miraculous through you and I. Are you thirsty for it? Number two, he says, come to me. Come to Jesus. Who baptizes us in the Spirit? Jesus. That's why, we, that's why we're a Jesus church. We lift up Jesus. We sing about Jesus. We preach about Jesus. We love Jesus. And when we're lifting up Jesus, he gives us more of the Holy Spirit. If, number three, we're willing to drink. That means we don't just sing songs to Jesus to get through, to get to the sermon. It means we open our heart in worship and we're aware that God is spirit and we, become, we learn to tune our senses to the spiritual environment we're in where the Holy Spirit can move and fill us. We become aware of God's presence in us, around us, upon us, and alongside of us, of course, through Scripture. And so I want to invite us today to be thirsty, come to Jesus, and drink. And I, I guess if I'm honest, I'm a little surprised. Oftentimes, uh, you know, ministry time, it's not just here, but also in the body of Christ. So say, hey, if you want to come get prayer from more of the Holy Spirit, I'm a little shocked that oftentimes zero to two people respond in love. <coughs> if he is what does what Scripture says he does, and he's God and you and I are as screwed up on our own as we are, don't you think we should be like consistently like the first to dive in the pool? I want God in my life. I, when I was, uh, the first four years after I got saved, I started leading a couple years into my following Jesus. Every service, I kept coming to the front. I said, I want prayer for more of God. I want prayer for more. Finally, my leaders had to say, hey, we love it. You're also a leader, so we'd love for you to be available to pray for others as well. <clears throat> because I was determined that if it's in here, I want it. I want to see the sick healed because I've got people hurting in my life. I want to see de people delivered from oppression and the power of God because I know people that are walking oppressed and discouraged. I need the fruit of the Spirit because I can be a jerk on my own. <laughs> So come on, lay hands on me all day long. I want to dive into the pool and get more of the Holy Spirit. Y'all tracking with me? <clears throat> I was like, Lord, if you said I can heal the sick, I want that. I started praying. I probably prayed for 100 people, and like I had one person with one side of their nose get a little cleared up. And I was like, Lord, it's a miracle, right? <clears throat> I wanted to see it. And he said to go heal the sick. And I know that was those apostles at that time, but listen, I think it's for us also. You see it in Corinthians. So finally, I went to this, you know, conference. Some conferences can get weird, you know. But I went to this conference. This guy, he just saw a lot of people healed. So I watched it. I said, pray for me. He prayed for me. I don't know how to describe what happened. It's like God's power came upon me. I could barely stand up and, you know, y'all, some of y'all would probably judge me or whatever. Because it, it doesn't make sense. If, you know, if, if I touch the power line out there and put it to my chest, something might happen, you know. So... Something was going on. The power of God was coming. 
So I went to the grocery store the next day, and I said, let's try this thing out. He prayed for healing. A person in a cast got completely healed. A person with a cane got completely healed. I'm going around to the grocery store. The power of God is showing up. And I was like, it wasn't working before in my own strength. And man, someone prayed for me, and the power of the Holy Spirit came. Again, I'm just trying to whet your appetite that there's more. You got the Holy Spirit already, so you don't need to feel like you're missing, you know, but there's also more. All right. So here's, here's, here's just a couple of questions. I want to invite us to stand to respond. Uh, <clears throat> y'all good? I wanted to stretch us out a little bit today. I wanted to stretch us because I, I'm trying to entice you to want more of God. <laughs> I don't know how to say that than that. Because uh, it's good. So, what am I, a couple questions just to think here as we respond. What am I seeking to be filled by other than more of Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Nothing not wrong if you like to, you know, go have a hobby. That's great. I'm all about that. I think that's actually very healthy. <clears throat> but primarily, you know, what is the primary thing that you are hungering and thirsting for? And are you ready to just say, Jesus, I love you. And if getting you, Jesus, means also get some of the Holy Spirit, then I want that. <clears throat> and so here's, here's what I want to do. Instead of having prayer team on the side, I, I would love just to open this up. If, if you want more of the Holy Spirit, doesn't mean he can't show up in the chair back there, but there is something like I've talked about, like being prayed for and being prayed over. And there's something just in faith to saying, God, I'm hungry enough to, to come up to the altar and just say, God, I want you. If there's more, uh, we're going to open this space up here and we'll just have leaders and some of just kind of the, the prophetic team and just you know, different people come. Just be available to pray over people and be led by the Spirit. And we're just going to open it up. And listen, there's, there's been times I've seen the Holy Spirit move in my life where, man, I, I couldn't stand up. It's just God's power. And there's also times I saw someone healed of some just crazy thing where they could barely walk. They got completely healed. I didn't feel anything. So again, don't equate this with a feeling. We receive by faith, not by feeling. And so we're just going to come and receive by faith. And many things the Holy Spirit does, in fact, some people that I've seen, you know, they've seen people raised from the dead, they don't feel anything. So, again, we're not focusing on feelings, we're focusing on Jesus and, and just the Holy Spirit, and just by faith. You received a gift, how you receive a gift? You open your hands. So we're going to do that. So we'll move all my water up here, and we'll kind of open it up, and just take some time, and hopefully you'll go to lunch with more Jesus and more of the Spirit. So if you want, feel free to come on forward and we'll just make some space here.